Welcome to this week's sermon from Amblecote Christian Centre. Um, we're now going to hand over to Phil to read Nehemiah 5, 1 to 12. Phil. Thank you. And I'm reading from the, um, the New Life Bible. About this time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families, we need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, our vineyards and homes to get food during the famine. Another said, we have had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy and our children are just like theirs. Yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We've already sold some of our daughters and we are helpless to do anything about it for our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. After thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. At the meeting, I said to them, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners, but you are selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. Then I pressed further. What are you doing? What you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? I myself, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending the people money and grain. But now let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore their fields, their vineyards, olive groves and homes to them this very day and repay the interest you charged when you lent them money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. They replied, we will give back everything and demand nothing more from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and made the nobles and officials swear to what they had promised. Thank you so much, Phil. Um, The chapter here goes on. The chapter goes on, uh, and Nehemiah explains in the rest of the chapter how later, when he was a governor, he uh, was equally as just and didn't charge for people uh, what he needed to feed his men. But we're going to focus on those first 12 verses today. These themes are clearly focused around justice. The verse shows us that it's not enough for us to be a community. It's not enough for us to build together or work together. But the character of a community is really important. It's critical. A temple, a wall, a city, a community is not worthwhile if there is no justice. But also, it shows us that justice will always return. Even if people are working their hardest, like they've never worked before together, still people will fall through the cracks. Still, we will need to do things to right wrongs and balance the scales of justice. At this point in, the, in, the, in uh, today, I think it would be look good to look at the context of this verse. I think we can explore some of the background and pull out some interesting points, and I hope to do that. 
My first thought about the background is how Nehemiah, we, we saw, is set at the time of exile. So the Babylonians had come and destroyed Jerusalem and taken people away. But what we don't often think about is he didn't take away everybody. Many people were left behind. You can think about it like this. The Babylonians came in and took all the people of authority or position and took them away to Babylon. You can imagine being left behind in that situation where all of your society's structures were suddenly taken away, being utterly lost. So for the people left behind, they were left in poverty and the usual structures of society had gone. I like to think maybe you could imagine someone coming to your workplace or your school and suddenly removing everyone with authority from that place. Some of us might not like our managers, but I think the company would fail if we suddenly got rid of everyone who knew what they were doing. So you can imagine when these exiles returned from Babylon, there might have been a little bit of tension between these people that had been there for 70 years and struggling and the people who had been in Babylon and were relatively okay. Secondly, the background of this verse I want to highlight is that Ezra and Nehemiah do the same thing that we do today, which is read and interpret scripture. At this point, the scriptures were hundreds of years old. Moses had been hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And also at this point, the Hebrew language was starting to die as a spoken language. The people in Jerusalem at this time were speaking Aramaic, which means that when they came to the scriptures, they weren't even reading it in the language they spoke with day to day. Hebrew existed uh, in religious leaders and scholars and scribes. So you can already see Hebrew kind of becomes this formal religious language. I guess for us, like reading the King James Bible might be today. So this means that the people at the time, Nehemiah, Ezra and these people, were having to read something that was a little bit foreign to them. Just like the Bible is a little bit foreign to us. I'm encouraged that people in the Bible are having to do the same thing and struggling with the same thing we do and having to interpret. The other big problem is that they were living in a totally different situation. The law of Moses, the writings by Moses, they were, they were given to him at a different time. They were designed to be given to a nation. Israel was meant to be a nation with a king, with laws, with autonomy. It was meant to control itself. But hundreds of years have passed. The way people lived had changed. And now a foreign government were ruling over them. So with these two points, you can see that the Jews had lost nearly everything that makes them feel, well, Jewish. They'd lost the things that even make their scriptures work how they were written. So they had to do um, interpretation and translation. Imagine being a Jew sat in Babylon reading Moses' words and reading uh, Abraham be promised the land of Israel forever. How gut-wrenching and difficult might that be? You might begin to question whether it's ever going to come back. I think this shows us that Nehemiah is uh, a time of revival. I don't think it's a stretch to say that the religious leaders at the time were reviving the faith in Israel in a time of crisis. We Christians today have a lot of ideas about what a revival looks like. They tend to be quite exciting. Lots of things is happening. Um, But when you look at Nehemiah's revival, it's a revival of faith and faithfulness 
not one of mass outpourings. When you read Nehemiah as well, you don't see the hand of God working in a really dramatic and obvious way. You'll notice that God seems to be working through his people, through people being faithful and having faith. I think it's also interesting to know that the people at the time weren't even anti-Persian. So after the Babylonians had taken them away, the Babylonians themselves were defeated and the Persians took over. And it was the Persians that allowed the Jews to go home. But the Jews were fully supportive of this foreign empire ruling over them. After all those years, after that golden age of being their own people with their own God, their own laws and their own king, they weren't even saying, we really need that back right now. Even the most sceptical people in the land at that time weren't saying, let's overthrow the Persians. They were saying, one day a king will come and one day we will have a ruler of our own, but not now. The important thing for Nehemiah and his people was building this wall and being faithful. The important thing was being faithful because being faithful means seeing their religion, their identity, their security, and also, as we'll discuss, justice restored. That's the nature of this revival. That's the nature of a revival that Israel needed. Things weren't all perfect or fixed. People were struggling and under hardships. And I would say today, perhaps this is the revival that we need as Christians, as church, in our lives and our communities. Now, during COVID, when everything has changed and things seem different, maybe we don't need a big charismatic event or happening. Maybe we need a restoration of faithfulness and faith. We need the embers of hope and the warmth that faithfulness bring to see us through these difficult times. Building faithfully requires us to truly consider what is justice. We can't build a community if there is unfairness. These two books, Ezra and Nehemiah, see a revival of faithfulness, but also they see this problem come up, this problem of injustice. See, when they're looking to build, they're not looking to build Israel as it was before. They're not looking to build um, the kingdom of Israel. They're seeking for people to turn their lives and be faithful to him in their current situation. Nehemiah didn't even resurrect the old walls of Jerusalem. You might think this story is about him mending the old walls. But instead, in many places, he moves the walls closer to the people. He makes Jerusalem smaller. We found Nehemiah's wall. We've dug it up. And we found that it's not even a pretty wall. It's not even well made. It's clearly built in a hurry. It was the wall that people needed at the time. It was a desperate wall in a desperate time. We found that there are houses left outside of this wall, abandoned, because Jerusalem was smaller. And it, rebuilding and building faithfully meant making some sacrifices to past glories. They didn't seek to replicate the size and glory of past Israel, but instead were building faithfully for what Israel needed at the time. So when we read the scriptures today and consider how we build. We must build with justice. See, in the earliest books of the Old Testament, in the books of Moses, uh, the Bible talks a lot about widows and lepers and foreigners. And the point of these verses is to highlight that these are the sort of people who are most at risk of deprivation. These are the sort of people who are most at risk of being exploited. 
and it highlights that Moses's culture was going to not through their own not through purpose these people were going to fall through the cracks so God gave special laws for these people so Nehemiah read these scriptures at this time and he saw this principle and then received these reports of these three groups um, telling them that they were facing injustice the three groups were farmers, maybe farm managers and estate owners. And they're not the sort of people we typically think of as facing injustice and facing problems. And I think we can learn from that, that we not, don't always need to look for the usual suspects at the people who are most at risk are facing injustice. But why were these groups at risk? Why were these people complaining that they were having to sell their daughters, lose their lands and starve? Well, the Bible says famine, but when you look into it, the cause of this issue was building the wall. It was building faithfully that was causing these people to risk losing everything. And Nehemiah's response to this crisis wasn't to make a new law. It wasn't to command people to treat each other fairly. Instead, he pleaded with the rich. He pleaded with the people around him to restore justice. He essentially said it was the community's responsibility to ensure that the community was taken care of, that the work of building faithfully wasn't putting undue pressure on those who were most at risk. So for us, sometimes building faithfully does require risk and sacrifice, but it should never take advantage of the vulnerable. And of course, the New Testament reminds us that the poor will always be with us and that we don't just need to look in our community for those facing injustice, but those around us too. In conclusion now, building faithfully does not always mean seeking to recreate things and remake glories of the past. When building at a time of crisis, faithfulness is enough. When building faithfully, we will always find injustices as well. And our response must be to repent and deal with those just injustices. We can't just ignore them so we can keep building. And furthermore, we see that certain groups of people will always be made more or less at risk by what we do as a society or as a community. And the Bible always makes special accommodations for them. So we should too. We're going to sing and worship together soon. But... I want you to consider and take away a couple of questions I want to ask you. Firstly, is faithfulness enough for you? Or are you seeking for things to be exactly like they were before? Are you seeking to rebuild the old walls and past glories? And are you missing the quiet call to faithfulness to build what we need now at this time? Secondly, are there people in your life, in our community, that are being made specially vulnerable by what's happening now? And whose responsibility is it to take care of them? How can we, as a community, take care of these people? What can we do to balance the injustices? Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Amblecote Christian Centre. For more information about who we are, what we believe, and how you can get involved, check out our website www.amblecoatchristiancentre.org.uk